We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate DAP for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's going on, everyone? And welcome into another BuzzBeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by our new partner, Bet Online. Stick around for a 50% bonus offer later in the episode. As always, if you want to interact with us on Twitter, you can follow us at BuzzBeatPod and find our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you like to listen to the show. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Spencer and Brian today. Uh, Brian, are you getting giddy uh, as the, the deadline approaches here? Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, I feel like uh, there's a lot of noise that's generated before it. Sometimes it it delivers on that. Sometimes I feel like it even over delivers like we saw in, in, in 2015 when there was all that kind of late movement, but uh, yeah, it's fine. I, I think you got to filter out a lot of stuff, but for the most part, the, the discourse is like, it at least leads to good team building conversation, which I think is, is worth having. Yeah. Spencer, I know you love this time of the year. How's everything going with you? Good, good. Yeah, it's it is a fun time of year. Um, I told you guys before we <laughs> jumped on. I like imagining all the things that won't happen. Um, you know, it's just fun to throw those uh, scenarios through through the think tank. But I mean, there are there are moves Charlotte can make here. You know, we, we've talked about this before, but they can mill they can make a a move that mimics kind of a free agency um in the middle of the season uh since they don't really intend to at least publicly they've said they don't intend to spend that cash aggressively this summer and they can also you know get something for one of their three expiring contracts so there's a few different directions they can go here and uh i I think there's a good chance it comes down to the wire for the Hornets. I, i still think they probably do make some kind of deal before the deadline thursday 
Yeah, I mean, I think I differ a little bit in the sense that I don't think a deal is going to be made, but obviously that doesn't mean they're not having conversations and trying to improve the team for the future or trying to get off some money here. Uh, in this episode, we're going to get into a lot of stories and questions and potential trade ideas as we head closer to Thursday's deadline. Uh, the big question, like Spencer was talking about, is will the Hornets make a move before that 3 p.m. deadline? on Thursday. Uh, but before we get into any kind of trade talk here, let's answer a couple of questions regarding the team. The first question, I'm going to butcher this name, I don't really have this Italian flair here, comes from at Filippo 4 on Twitter. It says, we are shifting to playing a lot of the younger guys and Bacon doesn't seem to play much anymore. Is it over for him? So this is actually submitted prior to the Magic game where Bacon did start and played 17 minutes. And, and prior to this, he hadn't played since we returned from Paris. Uh, and the Hornets had been using a nine-man rotation, and he was not a part of that. Cody Martin was actually seeing playing time over him, which I think all three of us can agree that that is probably the way to go. Uh, but even before this this most recent appearance against the Magic, and we're also recording this prior to the Rockets game, so not sure what type of rotation Borrego is going to put out tonight against the Rockets, but I would assume Bacon would see some minutes. I probably still would have answered this question the same. I don't necessarily think it's over for him, but by the same token here, I think his role in the NBA um, is very situational. I mean, he has some skills in terms of attacking the paint, and that's when he's the most effective. Uh, but he's definitely cooled off dramatically this year. And I think I was probably the highest on him heading into the season out of the three of us. Uh, but he just doesn't have that one skill set that stands out. So I, I've cooled off on the outlook on Bacon, guys. But uh, moving forward, do you think it's over for him in a Hornets uniform? Uh, yeah, I, I do. As we sit here today, I think so. I mean, I think the emergence of Cody Martin has, um, certainly moved everybody in that direction from fans to front office to coaches. Um, you know, obviously Dwayne Bacon going to be a restricted free agent this summer. So, you know, got to make a decision pretty quickly here. You know, he gets the start last night, um, you know, due, due to injuries, PJ Washington, uh, not playing. So they slide miles up to the four. Uh, and so Bacon gets to start at the wing. You know, he, he does. He has not been a confident basketball player all year long, and and that's probably been the more disappointing factor. You know, over anything else, the shooting numbers, you know, the, the turnover woes. But he, you know, at the end of last season, he just looked comfortable. He looked confident, and he is. Uh, he is going to pound the ball, right? He is going to put it on the floor. He's going to look for his shot. He's one of those type of guys. He doesn't really, he's not a kind of guy I would describe as going to set up his teammates. It's not a terrible passer, but it's not his, uh, not his first skill set. So, uh, yeah, uh, he just hasn't developed this year. The, the clock is ticking on him. I think Cody Martin, uh, is the more promising prospect, certainly on the defensive end. And I mean, if he figures out that corner three with his transition ability, um, you know, and, and is probably, he's not that much worse of a slasher than bacon maybe at this point. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's just the way better prospect. And I think right now this is just an easy decision for Charlotte. Again, he gets to start last night, probably just out of, he fits better with the starting unit that he does the bench. Uh, and Cody Martin's just a good change of pace guy for us defensively right now coming off the bench. But look, long-term you, you just got to find a way to get Cody Martin more minutes and, and why not now give him any of those bacon minutes that you know, in theory you were going to hand out. I, I just don't see the point now. 
Yeah, and also Cody's pretty good without the basketball in, in the half court too. I, I know his shooting can can cramp things for them, but he's got the the sort of like MKG quality of of, of baseline cuts and, and moving without the basketball that I don't think Dwayne quite has. I I, I felt for Bake during the game last night. Uh, against Orlando because uh, he looked like Spencer said a lack of confidence and um, all season and I thought last night was as bad as it's maybe looked for him um, you know I don't know I don't want to totally close the door on him just yet because you never know that you know Charlotte could trade Malik Monk at some point in the next week or 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 later in the off season and and as you said Bacon is a free agent so there's the decision these are a restricted free agent. So there's a decision to be made. Um, but right now he's had such a, a, a rough season that it's sort of hard for me to even see how he gets back on track. Like I was, I thought a couple times this year, like would an assignment in Greensboro go well for him just so he could get regular minutes, you know, put up some efficient, have some efficient scoring outings, but then you risk, you risk, you know, perhaps damaging the confidence even more. If you, yeah. if you send them down, it just, it, we've said this a couple times now on the pod, but like, he his season just could not have gotten off to a worse start. Um, it was the the ice cold shooting followed by the injury, along with the emergence of Graham, uh, Cody Martin looking better, PJ being a star with which moves Miles, you know, basically full time to the wing, and all of a sudden, like the minutes just evaporated overnight, especially as they started playing Graham and Rozier together. And it's unfortunate because I thought at the end of last season and into the off season this past year too, like. You know, I don't know if Dwayne Bacon was the starter in the NBA, like a starting two, but I did think like this guy was a rotation piece, you know, a guy that could fit in in the top nine, a top 10 for a team and could give you some offensive punch and could conceivably, you know, stay in front of a few positions defensively with, with relative success. And, and I mean, this year's just gone, he's going to have to get right somewhere. And, um, you know, we'll see if, we'll see if that's in Charlotte or if it, it's somewhere else, but yeah, this is unfortunate because Dwayne just looks, um, a little lost. So I, I don't want to close the door just yet on a future with Dwayne and, and what one last thing I will bring up though. And Spencer, I think was sort of getting at this too, is like, not only has Cody probably passed him in terms of how valuable he is to the roster not probably he, he definitely has they're about the same age but now you got you got cody martin with two more years on this deal like you got you got even more time to to think about it and, and he obviously looks like an impactful defender an impactful defender too and there's just less runway with dwayne bacon so there's a lot of factors working against bake um which is unfortunate because it, it really looked like he had built himself into an nba player getting to play next to kemba the last you know, dozen or so, a couple dozen games last last year, but that is just not carried over into his third year in the pros. Yeah, it was very promising towards the end of the season, and uh, we even had conversations of maybe him leading the team and scoring or, or being right up there. Uh, yeah. and things have just not panned out for him, and you do feel for him, like you said, Brian. It just is it's crazy. He's just not been able to get into the flow of this season, and you know, at our wing position, it just seems like he's lost behind all these players, and Cody Martin, like you guys said, he's he's basically the same age, but he actually offers something that you know for a fact that he can bring mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. And then the offensive side of the ball, it feels like you can kind of plug and play Martin in more situations uh, than Bacon. Uh, Bacon just seems like uh, he has one way that he plays, and it's it's one of those ways that if, he doesn't, if he's not playing well, uh, it definitely has a negative effect on the offensive side of the ball. All right, so the next question in terms of this team comes from at Chad Whitley on Twitter. 
How can the Hornets remedy their disastrous third quarter slides in future contests? So I actually went and checked this to see uh, how Hornets fared during the third quarter. They are bottom 10 uh, in point differential in the third quarter, bottom five in effective field goal percentage, bottom 10 in defensive rebounding percentage, and then also last in the NBA in points scored in the third quarter. So I really don't think, I mean, yes, they are specific to the third quarter, but I don't think these specific stats are all that out of the ordinary for the Hornets because they do struggle with a lot of these categories in the whole game. I just think with a young team, especially if you have a lead or if you are close in the game, uh, not that they, I mean, I guess you can say they get kind of get complacent. It feels like the Hornets earlier in the season when they were down at half, they actually played better because they knew that they had to come back and, and they did make some several comebacks of uh, double digit leads. But, you know, I think it might just be a lack of focus or the mentality to kind of put that game away with a young team. I'm not really sure if there's like one remedy, guys. Like, I, mean, I don't know what to say other than the fact that this is just a young team that struggles defending struggles grabbing defensive rebounds and uh whatever it may be after the halftime they don't play as well yeah i'm not too like ultimately this this Hornets like the this charlotte roster is just like it's just it's not that good right like they're bottom five in offense and in defense so the yeah you can you can pick a couple third quarters recently have looked ugly the, certainly the san antonio the third day in the washington the night before that against washington it wasn't great either um a little bit better against orlando i guess but I think this is, it's a little noisy. It's a little random. Like these, some of these games have been on the road to in Washington and San Antonio, PJ Washington, perhaps their best player wasn't playing in the, uh, the game against the Spurs as well too. So I, I just think it's one of those things that, you know, perhaps if you really wanted to like, I think overthink about it a little bit, you could say the teams were able to make, make adjustments to the Hornets and beyond that, it's not that the Hornets don't have a counter punch. It's just that like there's it, the, the, co- the coaching staff can't adjust or try to have their own counter punch, but they're just playing with a, a roster that's a little limited and is really young. And they're, they're playing this, this younger roster that turns the ball over a lot and it's not very good defensively. So I, I think everything, like I'm not panicking about this. I think it's a little random and noisy. I think if you wanted to, you could probably explain parts of it away um, for a couple sort of, you know, some of the more obvious reasons, but for the most part, I, I don't think it's anything to actually like sweat all that much. Even if again, the San Antonio third quarter was, was certainly <laughs> ugly, no doubt. Yeah. That, that was a strange game where it felt like they were playing so well in the first half and, uh, Things just took a turn. Uh, in Nine turnovers quarter. in that quarter. Yeah, they, hmm. It was kind of unwatchable at that point. Because yeah. <laughs> I, wa- I yeah. watched it on delay, and I knew exactly what was coming, and I just yeah. I, cu- I couldn't watch. Spencer, any thoughts on this, or not really? Not really. Not really. I mean, the only thing I, you know, I would say is just it, this is part of what a young team goes through. You know, they just they struggle to – I think it just comes with maturity, right? How to stick through four quarters over an 82-game schedule. Um, you know, t- players that have been in this league a while – a little bit more discipline, a little bit more polished. They're going to come out in the third quarter and know how important it is. Um, so I think a lot of it can be boiled down to that. This is a young team trait that's not uh, – it's not like something we've never seen before. So uh, this is all stuff that we should have expected to go through this year with this young team. One more thing, too. It is uh, – you know, obviously we are huge fans of Eric Collins on this podcast, but it is like a little humorous during the broadcast of some of these recent games – where it's like after there's just been an avalanche of bad for them in the third quarter and Eric Collins still has to say, 
all right, fourth quarter, winning time here. And it's like, yeah, but they just got outscored by 18 points. So the last 12 minutes, like, yeah, it's winning time, I guess. And, <laughs> and the most optimistic of, of realities. But uh, I mean, but, yeah. talk about a hard job. How hard yeah. both of those guys, uh, Dell and Eric, their, their job is difficult right now, trying to figure yeah. out how to, uh, how to spice this up for, mm-hmm. you know, two hours every single night, knowing there's a loss coming. All right, we are now going to take a break to tell you guys about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. Did you guys miss your bet on the Chiefs Niners? Fear not, listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter the time of year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day, if you can believe it, is right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy, and you're already making wagers. It's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, the promo code is BLUEWIRE. All one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so I'm sure most of you guys tuned into this episode for trade talk. So we're just going to kind of run down some list of rumors and stories and just talk about the trade deadline as it it's approaching quickly here. First thing that I want to get to is a Zach Lowe piece. And also a question kind of from a listener of ours, uh, Captain Heatcheck on Twitter. So Lowe in his piece said the Bogdan Bogdanovich situation could go to the wire. The Lakers and Hornets are among teams who have expressed interest, sources say. And then the, the Captain Heatcheck asked, what would a Hornets offer look like if we were to get involved uh, with Bogdan Bogdanovich? Let's just talk about him as a player real quick and then just whether or not we can see an offer that would make sense for the Hornets. I mean, he's 27 years old and the last year of his contract, I believe he's making about eight and a half million this year. Yeah. So his, his bird rights uh, would transfer over to, to the team that trades for him. But, you know, as a player guys, like he doesn't really move the needle a ton for me. I mean, I know that he's a, a good playmaker, a good shooter, but on the defensive side, that's not really his strong suit. And I'm, I'm not really sure what the, the Kings would be expecting back. I mean, I feel like they would almost be expecting more back than we'd be willing to give up or more than I would be willing to give up, you know, if I was in the front office of the Hornets. So Spencer, any thoughts on him as a player and then maybe any kind of deal that would make sense for us? Uh, I mean, I think you're right um, to say it's it's all going to – I think it's all going to depend on if the Hornets want to part ways with a first-round pick. Um, you know, the player, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I wouldn't tell you you're crazy to think that that player is going to be better than the player you're going to draft, um, which in all likelihood, you know, is going to be the top six, seven uh, this summer. I wouldn't say you're crazy, but he's a restricted free agent this summer, so you're going to have to pay that guy mm-hmm. moving forward. So the timeline doesn't really exactly work out for Charlotte. Like if, if you were going to trade for a guy like Bogdanovich and say, let's get him into our system. Yeah, we could sign him this summer with their cap space, but we want to see him in our system for a few months. And we're kind of ready to win like here, if not next year, certainly the year after. So he kind of, he, he works for our timeline. I'm not sure that's where Charlotte is like a team like Atlanta 
not that they're necessarily looking for a player, like a, a backcourt player, a wing like Bogdanovich, but there's some pressure there to win. A team like Washington seems like there's some pressure there to win. So he might fit that those kind of timelines better. But if Charlotte was willing to part ways with their 2020 uh, first round pick, I think that they could definitely get Bogdanovich. Um, you mentioned his age, Richie. I think that a lot of people probably don't realize he's 27 years old. That certainly puts pressure on whatever team has interest in him to sign this next contract and really get max value out of it because you gotta you gotta imagine after that contract i mean now he's on the on the downslope of his career so um parts of this makes sense but it has to be it has to be the right mechanics like if you threw in Dwayne Dedman coming with Bogdanovich back to Charlotte for a Cody Zeller MKG you know, and if they would accept our 2020 second round pick, you know, something along those lines. But I think Sacramento is going to want more than that. So it's, it's hard for me to really figure out what the deal is where I would say this makes sense for Charlotte. And again, it's just a timeline thing. Yeah, Spencer addressed the timeline perfectly. Bogdanovich, he's 27 now and he'll turn 28 in August. So like he'll be 28 in a couple months into his, you know, couple months into being 28 when the season starts. So that, that does complicate factors with a roster that has a lot of guys that are, that are 25 and under. And then there's, there's the, the aspect of his restricted free agency. Um, you know, why would you just give away a great asset, like a high, a high first round pick? I, I just, I can't see the Hornets parting ways with that. Maybe there are some other ways you could, you could, you could, you could try to work a deal with, with Sacramento. Perhaps we can, we can pitch a few of those out, but I think there's also like, there have been complications with fit with Bogdanovich and he's a good offensive player, really good offensive player, but there have been with Fox, with Buddy Heald, with Harrison Barnes. And I feel like even if you get him into Charlotte, there's not like, he doesn't just like slide really easily into like a spot. Like you have, you have Devonte Graham, you have Terry Rozier signed for two more seasons. You have miles bridges, at least for now at the three, uh, just in year two of a rookie contract. You like, you have PJ Washington locked in at the four. So you, maybe have a little less flexibility with, with bridges. And if you get Bogdanovich, it's, it's not for, you know, three years from now it's for, it's for the next three seasons, you know, um, which is, he's like right now, literally in the prime of his career. Yeah. He's Brian, cool. real quick. Sorry. Yeah. No, I want you to jump back in, but yes, uh, that's an observation I made the other day, kind of just trying to work trades for Bogdanovich. I was like, wait a minute, the minute allocation for all these backcourt players now just gets really, yeah. really tricky. If you assume yeah. that Monk, Rozier and Graham are left out of a hypothetical deal with him. It just, it's hard to see how that works out. It really is. And even if Monk were somehow included in the deal, like you still have Cody Martin and it's still like, you would still have Rozier, Graham and Bridges too. Like it, it's, it's not a super clean fit. To just copy and paste this guy into the roster. Even if the, even if the finances were a little confusing, it's like the, the, the actual on court fit is a little weird, but just for if people don't watch Sacramento that much, this guy's a really good three-point shooter. Forty-six uh, percent of his career field goal attempts have been threes this season. Fifty-seven percent of his field goal attempts have been threes. That's seven per game. Shooting thirty-nine percent off the catch on threes this season. And this, here's another interesting sort of number that I noticed while I was looking at a lot of like Dame Lillard and Devontae Graham numbers this season. But Bogdanovich, one of the better pull-up shooters in the half court this season. 55% effective shooting uh, 1.11 points per possession on off dribble jumpers in the half court. That's actually top five in the NBA amongst players with at least 100 field goal attempts of that variety. But sort of important to remember that his volume, even while it's not minimal, it's not like, you know, Kemba and Dame and Luca. The, these dudes are like in their own stratosphere. They have, they have three times the amount of 
of uh, pull-up shots that he's taken this season. But, you know, he's got a career assist rate that's a little shy of 20%. Like, he's played some point guard. Um, his isolation and pick-and-roll shooting numbers aren't bad either. But uh, those are just more on more of a – there's a smaller sample of that. It's more of a secondary, second-side creator. So, it's like in, in a vacuum, yeah, I think he would actually fit kind of nicely with – with Devonte Graham, but the, I just think there's so many complications holding it up. Um, and a couple other things to consider with Sacramento too. Sacramento has all of its picks. Uh, they have plenty of second round picks that I guess they could grease the wheels for this deal. Um, and for the 2021, 2022 season, Sacramento already on the hook with Harrison Barnes and buddy healed for $45 million. They'll owe Marvin Bagley $11 million that season. So that's up to 56 million already for just three players. That will also be year one of a De'Aaron Fox extension. So that'll be, you know, another 25, $30 million tacked on. You can see how there maybe isn't like a, an obvious fit for him, both in terms of what the books look like in Sacramento and, and what the on, what the on court, uh, what the on court fit looks like as well too. So, you know, I think if you're trying to carve out a deal with Sacramento, like you, you you can create a little bit of leverage, but it's not easy, especially if they're like dead set on getting a first round pick. Well, you, you t- while we're on Sacramento, let's stay here for a second because you touched on something. I think there was a decision they made recently, and that was to um, uh, not pick up the third-year option hey, um, for Harry Giles. And I think that was confusing, but you kind of touched on the reason. And they're looking forward, and they're looking at their books, and they're just saying, we're not going to be able to pay this guy, even if he does start to show something. So here's something I, you could interest me in. And something I think Mitch Kupchak should do is pick up the phone, call Sacramento. If there's not a deal for Bogdanovich, then let's check in on Harry Giles. He's basically he, he is an expiring contract since yeah. his deal was, was dropped or his option was dropped. So say, okay, how about you take Hernan Gomez, send us Giles, and then Charlotte has a bevy of second-round picks over the next two drafts. Yep. They can part ways with one of those just to throw Sacramento something. And, and Harry Giles is 21 years old. Now, Sacramento knows what his health is, and his health could be crap. I mean, this, is, this could be a guy that just never gets healthy. But He's had for, issues for years, years. For years. But for how little you'd have to give up to get a guy that's 21 years old in, on into a program and onto a roster that has nothing but time mm-hmm. you know, to develop these players, I think that's worth it for Charlotte. That is the quote-unquote savvy kind of trade that yeah. I hope Mitch Kupchak was alluding to this past summer. North Carolina kid too, right? And when he's healthy, he can he can actually play above the rim as like a lob guy, as we saw. Just I covered him when he was at Duke. That feels like it was eight years ago. It was three years ago, just – Hard to believe, but like when he was healthy, I mean, he could protect the rim. Uh, he could rim run. And we've seen in the NBA, like he can pass a little bit from the elbows and on the short roll. Like there's it, all of it with him. I know the advanced numbers, you know, in terms of impact data, isn't super kind to Giles, but he's been, he's been recovering from injury. He has not been in a, in a great situation in Sacramento either. And like, there's, there's greats. There are skills and pedigree. It's just like, does he, can he get health, stay healthy long enough and does he have enough of an opportunity to actually maybe put everything together like before the window just completely closes on him as a, a player and a prospect that it's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to see. But I think Giles is a guy that I, when I was like even kicking around some hypothetical Bogdanovich deals, uh, I was like, you know, th- some ways to make the money work a little bit or, or try to find, you know, create a little bit of excess value one other way. Um, you know, he was a guy that I was sort of playing around with as like a, another guy that could be coming to Charlotte in a trade, but I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys want to, do you want to kick around any, 
potentially hypothetical first round deals for Bogdanovich or do we have anything else to add about him? I mean, or do we just... I tried to mess around with the trade machine and, and th stuff like that with uh, Bogdan, but I really could not think of a trade that made sense for a lot of the reasons you guys just stated. And, and I don't want to give up a draft pick for him, especially yeah. because he's a restricted free agent. It's almost like he, he's got to show out in these three months to end the season. And, and we've got to be convinced that he's going to be part of our future. I know that he's 27 years old going on 28, but you know, it would be silly for us to trade a first round pick and then come free agency season, we don't match. You know what I mean? So it's got to be yeah. one of those things where you're very convinced that this guy is going to move that needle enough for you that you're willing to give up a top five pick, which I am not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And not, I, I don't know if you can a, get a, like, can you make a trade without offering a first round pick? I mean, maybe a second what would or two. What would you guys think about the this? What, what about MKG plus the salary? Yeah. Uh, the Cleveland 2020 second round picks, that'll be a good second round pick. And then either the Brooklyn 2021 second round pick or like the the Boston one is protected uh, in, in kind of a weird way in a, in a way that it, it maybe would be tougher to get conveyed. Like the, the, sell, the sec, 2020 second round pick that uh, Charlotte is in theory in possession of depending on like where the, the pick lands. But like, I don't think that's enough to get Bogdanovich. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think those two second round picks are enough to grease the wheel. Like, I don't, I don't think that gets it done. And that's basically like the most I think I'd be willing to offer unless right. I put serious protections around that first round pick. Like I top 10 pr protected it this year and ensured that it was never going to convert to a first round pick. You know what I mean? Mitch, repeat that like quickly again. So the MKG, the Cleveland 2020 second round pick, and let's just say the Brooklyn 2021 second round pick. I'm guessing no. I'm guessing Sacramento would shut that down pretty quickly. But if I'm Charlotte, that's I think that's the most that I would I would offer in for Bogdanovich. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a fair offer. I agree. I think Sacramento would probably turn it down. And yeah. here's what here's another leverage point Sacramento has, along with a lot of other players that are restricted free agents going into this summer. The the cap space teams all stink, and mm -hmm. most are not going to be uh, spending a lot this summer. Now Bogdanovich might be one of those players that does get a, a big offer, but yeah. you, you got to think that because there's not a lot of landing spots out there with cap space that, uh, you know, Sacramento could squeeze Bogdanovich and get him back on a decent value, mm -hmm. which is probably what they're telling teams. Like there's no reason for us to take, uh, you know, a mediocre offer yeah. when we don't have to trade this guy. We might be able to bring him back this summer. So that is one of the factors I would think that would hurt a team like Charlotte in a negotiation like this, which is why they got to put the first round pick in. Yeah, right? if that's if that's the case. Then I think it's like it's just uh, you just walk away and say, yeah. you know, I'm glad we talked it out, but uh, we we gamed it up. We gamed it out on our end, and we're gonna pass. Look, by the way, Hornets are projected to have about twenty two point seven million dollars in cap space. Um, that's assuming like the the cap for next season does settle in at 113 million dollars um, based off the most recent estimates from the the Woj report a week ago that seems to be where things are going to settle in um one last one last hypothetical by I got one go ahead I got one after you too I want Okay to cool okay cool cool, All cool, these cool. hypotheticals um okay again I don't think I don't think Sacramento would do this just as a preface, but what about Bismack? Those same two second round picks. So Cleveland 2020. So that's like a top, you know, that could be the 31st pick in the draft. 
the the and then the the Brooklyn 2021 second round pick for Bogdanovich and Dwayne Dedman. Dedman is going to make thirteen million dollars, thirteen point three million dollars next season. And he's set to make set to make. It's not. It's partially only partially guaranteed, but he's set to make. 13.3 million in the 21, 22 season. But I think only a million of that is, is guaranteed, but you'd be, maybe if you do that, you're like, you're, you're giving, you're giving Sacramento an expiring and biz. They're going to get two second round picks. One of which is going to be a pretty good second round option. And they get off um, Dedman. You get, you get off, of, you get off of some long-term salary, not a crazy amount of long-term salary with Dedman, but of some long-term salary. And maybe that helps you as you're, trying to navigate stuff as you, you build out this roster around Fox and, and Bagley and, and Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes for that matter too. So I, I don't know. I, again, I don't think Sacramento does that, but that was one of the other ones I'd sort of worked out as a possibility too. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind that at all. But like you said, Brian, it's one of those things like this trade partnership with, with the Kings and trying to get this guy on our roster. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you are going to give up a first round pick. And I think Spencer and I had a, uh, a podcast earlier where we talked about Deadman and how we would we would like him on this roster. I mean, obviously he has not been in the rotation with the Kings and he brings something from behind the arc and is pretty good rebounder as well. But those two second round picks still might not be enough to do that. And, and you, I know you keep on saying that, but like that that's the issue with this with this guy yeah. and trying to get him on this team. So how about how about this one? So how about Bogdanovich and Harrison Barnes? Now, remember, Charlotte looked very closely at Harrison Barnes just a year ago. I do remember that. At the trade deadline, okay? So Bogdanovich and Harrison Barnes, that's 36 and a half, excuse me, that's $32.5 million coming in for Rozier, MKG's expiring, and Miles Bridges. Now, how, how long think, is um, Barnes on for? Uh, Barnes, Barnes on for four years. So Jesus, yeah. Oh, boy. So you're. 20, so you're so, so you're basically kind of waving the, the white flag on Miles Bridges, and you're obviously not telling Sacramento that, but you're deciding Harrison Barnes is your your power forward of the future. You bring in Bogdanovich. Now you have two 27-year-olds, so you're kind of accelerating your uh, when you want to start winning. Uh, you get Rozier's money and fit. I think the fit with him and Graham is not the worst in the world, but I think we're starting to yeah. learn it's also not the best. So I think Bogdanovich is a better fit with Graham. Uh, they they uh, save you know thirteen million whatever MKG his money's falling off and then they get a young Bridges into their system I think mm-hmm. it saves them a lot of money I think if you're Charlotte you just go ahead and ask for a lot of protected first round pick here too because you're getting them off of I think they probably have buyers remorse for Harrison Barnes they've uh, got to dude they just, have just to yes you know yeah. and uh, and you get you get them off what, the decision they're going to have to make with Bogdanovich. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know who actually has to give up extra assets here. Maybe nobody, maybe it's just a straight trade, but mm-hmm. it kind of makes some sense for Charlotte to me. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, if, if you, if it was factored in a, a pick coming back to, to Charlotte, even with the protections like that, I, you'd have to chew on that. It would really microwave a team that would like contend for like the eighth seed in the East. You know what I mean? With next season, if you, assuming you brought back Bogdanovich, right. With, yeah. With Graham, Bogdanovich, uh, Barnes, Br- uh, PJ, and Zeller, you know, on the last year of his deal, like that's your starting five. And and, and if um, you nail your pick this summer, like you kind of maybe have something a year from now. You yeah, know? yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's that, it's that plus Cody Martin and a, a you know a top a top ten pick basically. You know what I mean? And a, MJ, you, yeah, go ahead. Just gonna say, and then you would still have two good early second round picks too. 
in yeah. the Cleveland pick and their own pick as well. It's it's an MJ kind of trade, I think. And yeah. I think Sacramento is they just seem like the team. They have so many different trades they can make with some players that can help other teams. They just seem like the team that's going to make some kind of deal. And then I just thought, man, we were just linked to Harrison Barnes with the same front office at the trade deadline last year. Like, I don't know. And now they're sniffing around Bogdanovich. Like, I just wouldn't be surprised if something like this services as we get closer to Thursday. Yeah, I, I could see. I thought again, if I if I were Charlotte, I, I would I would pass on that. But it's interesting, right? And, and there's a there is a reality where you can see like this kind of hypothetical. It it makes sense for this reason, this reason, and that reason. But um, but I don't know. As as they're really you know seem to as long as they're willing to take a, a multi year approach to the rebuild. Then, then this would be. I mean, this is moving immediately yeah. back on the. This is like a a move that's cut from like you know 2016 to 2019. Kind <laughs> yeah, of, you're firing of, back you know? that 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 treadmill up in, in hopes of trying to make a, a playoff push. And I don't know if I would do it. I know that a lot of people are trying to give up on, on Miles Bridges, but I feel like he's been playing well recently and uh you know giving up on him and, and taking back longer salary you would be signaling to the fans and signaling to james Rego that hey we're we're pushing for that that seven and eight seat again all right let, let's transition to another player probably not as exciting uh julius randall there were some rumors going around yesterday uh with the ringer and kevin <laughs> o'connor so take that with a grain of salt there that the knicks and hornets have had trade talks involving Julius Randle. So he does make 18 million this season. He makes 19 million, I believe, the following season. But then in 21-22, which I think is somewhat of a perk here, he has a partially guaranteed contract of $4 million, which kind of starts right before the free agency period. So mm -hmm. if he doesn't turn out to be the way that you uh, you know, envision him to be, or, or maybe you were planning on doing this, uh, you can always kind of cut ties with him and you'd only be on the, uh, the books for $4 million. As a player for Julius Rander, Randall, excuse me, I, I think he kind of demands the ball a little bit too much uh, for my liking. He definitely is a player that I feel like might get locked into his personal game a little bit uh, and not necessarily a ball mover. I, I do think he's a good passer, but it, it's not necessarily always within the flow of the offense. So as a player, I mean, he's all right. He can go get you a bucket if you need it. But I really, really wouldn't necessarily like this trade. And I would almost want to see a trade and how it would look like. I know they had some rumors out there with Rozier and Monk as well. But I am not big on this, but I don't think there's really any traction. I think that uh, Rod Boone came out today and said there's really not much here going on with Julius Rand Randall here. So uh, we are recording this on a Tuesday, which is actually interesting because there was some untimely news or timely news. Uh, the Knicks did fire their president today. Uh, so that's interesting because I don't know if he was a proponent well, of this trade or what, well what have you. Well, there yeah. in, uh, the, in, in New York City, really. Just the, the New York Knicks, as usual, operating, just clicking on all cylinders seamlessly. <laughs> Uh, just top to bottom, just a, a pillar of organizational uh, structure in Western civilization are the New York Knicks. When they found out he was including Steve Mills, that is Julius Randall's and trade talks. That was the last straw. Yeah, he was right. gone. That was it. We, we can't, we can't take it anymore. This is madness. We got to fire this guy. So yeah, the circus continues. Any thoughts on him as a player or just how he would fit in here? I know that we kept talking about Miles Bridges and, and P.J. Washington. How would he fit within that front court situation? Any thoughts on Randall? Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, unless you're bringing Julius Randall in to like a contending team to be a 
you know, just a bruising volume scoring guy off the bench. I don't really see, I don't think he fits many places at all. I just, you know, especially on a rebuilding team, um, you know, he pounds the ball. He's when he catches it, the offense is over. Uh, he, he's going to put it on the floor and look for his own shot. But I just don't, I don't understand what the deal is. Richie, like you were saying with the names that were mentioned, which mm-hmm. was Randall, Dennis Smith Jr., Monk and Rozier. Like basically you're saying, all right, we're just, we're just, exchanging contracts rosier and randall now you have that partially guaranteed uh and in the last year of randall's it's only four million so yeah i guess charlotte's saving some money there don't know how much that matters in the long term but monk is clearly the best prospect um in this trade so new york would have to give us at bare minimum they, they would have to give us back what is originally our second round pick this summer um, if not a first round pick, I, I doubt you that Monk gets you a, a first round pick in any universe, even as well as he's played this season. But I just I don't see how it's worth it for either side. Yeah, it's just such a weird value proposition because, like, if you're looking at Randall and Monk, of uh, and again, we don't think this is going to happen. But if you're looking at those two guys as like the principal players of the deal, it's like it. I'm not even sure who, which is, you know, I, I like Monk as the better asset because he's younger and, and cheaper right now. Uh, even if, you know, Randall is the more impactful player. It's like, I don't know which side would try to talk the other one into including some form of draft capital to like, you know, it along with the, you know, the, the salary like Rosier to, to, to actually like make the deal happen. It, it just seems, it seems unlikely the Randall deal is like that he's on. is like, it's a little crazy. 62 over three years. Um, but with about five or so million dollars of unlikely boat, about $6 million of unlikely bonuses, which is why that, that deals closer to about $57 million in totality, um, not factoring in the partial guarantee there, but like a guy like Randall, like I'm with, I'm with you, Spencer, like uh, this guy, unless he's, unless he buys in and is like, I'm cool to, to be a guy come off the bench. I play 25 minutes a game. 12 and a half at four, 12 and a half at center. Um, but he's a four and a half that doesn't stretch the court or protect the rim. Like I, so in PJ Washington's your four, I don't know if you want this guy coming in at, at the five, like uh, it doesn't, he doesn't move the needle enough in sort of either of the ways that these discrete skills that you want from the skin, the center position. Like I'd much rather have Cody Zeller, uh, and it's not even close playing center. I don't, I don't care about the 19 and, and eight that Julius Randle's averaging. Like I'm, I'm sure for some casual fans and hell, probably even for probably even for some front office types, like you still see that and you're like, damn, 19 and nine on relatively efficient shooting percentage, you know. But that's such a, oh man, that's such a small way to actually look at things. I just think there's a lot of empty calories in his numbers in the last three seasons. 16% three-point attempt rate. That's up to 26% this season. So he's trying to shoot a few more threes. But on 167 attempts from above the break, just 25%. Uh, 37% effective shooting on pick and pops. In this season, just a 0.8% block rate. Opponents are shooting 66% at the rim against Randall, according to NBA tracking data. Again, none of those numbers are that good. Some of the more advanced numbers, like defensive RPM, 538's Raptor model, like their defensive numbers don't actually like completely hate Randall. Yeah, like he's a turnover machine out of the post. He gets to the line a fair amount. He's just not even like that efficient of like a inside 15 foot score, you know? Um, I just don't see it again. PJ, I think PJ, obviously PJ is your 
your four of the future. Like you, you've drafted a foundational element. You, you were, you were lucky that you were able to hit gold like this late in the, in the lottery. And what, what Randall would do, it just makes no sense unless he was happy to make $19 million coming off the bench as a six man. Even then I, I think the fit is, um, it's just a clunky for a variety of reasons. So no, Randall was a, was a pass for me for, for plenty of reasons, even if it did allow you to move uh, the Rozier deal. I mean, I think Rozier has been, you know, okay this season, you know, um, he adds some shooting and some off movement shooting to the roster. And as Spencer noted, the, the, the cost savings that that partial guarantee uh, third year of Randall would maybe save you versus a full year of Rozier. Like, how much does that move uh, move things in a positive direction? Like it, it's really tough to say, and probably not worth anything unless you were actually getting some sort of draft equity in return. Yeah, Richie, you told me before we jumped on that that trigger date to save that money, uh, which would be I guess thirteen, fourteen million, is actually before free agency, and that would happen next summer. So if you you know, and that is in the twenty twenty one class, which is so coveted, but. I mean, who is who is Charlotte looking at in that class? They would be like, yeah, we can definitely. Or who is looking see, at Charlotte, right? <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. Better said, who, who's looking at Charlotte that that thirteen, fourteen million, which is not so insignificant. I mean, it could matter, but but it probably doesn't matter to Charlotte, a team that's not going to be in the hunt for any of those free agents. They're going to have enough cap room that summer where they can go get some help, but to say, yeah, let's get thirteen million more because we're going to go get this guy. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That just seems far fetched to give up on Monk for, because that's really what we're talking about. You're you're giving Monk up to save yeah. that money, and I just yeah. I don't know if that's worth it. All right, let's quickly uh, go to some buyout possibilities. So, but first, before I want to get to that portion, Rick Banal. I was kind of scrolling through Twitter the other day. Rick Banal and also Brad Townsend of the Dallas Morning News did mention quickly that MKG could be a possibility uh, to kind of fix some defensive issues with Dallas. I, I feel like if you can get anything from MKG, you have to do it, even if it's a, a second round pick, which I feel like that's probably what he is worth at this point. But I've also seen rumors that MKG could potentially be bought out. So I do kind of want to discuss these possibilities because if a trade does not happen at any point between now now in March 1st, if a player on the Hornets roster uh, wants to be playoff eligible, uh, he won't be on the Charlotte team because we're not going to be playoff eligible. But if you buy him out and a, and a team wants him on, on a playoff roster, that has to happen before March 1st. And I think the three players that maybe we can kind of kick around here are Marvin, MKG, and maybe potentially Biz, if there's someone out there that, that covets him as a defensive piece, maybe out there. Um, so, I'll say this. I feel like the only player of those three that I'd be willing, not that I have the decision here, that I'd be willing to make that decision to buy them out would be Marvin. And and not not to say that I feel like Marvin would demand a buyout, but he'd be the one I'm most willing to do it just because he's such a good teammate and such a good guy. MKG, like I know this sounds bad, but he did decide to opt into this player option. So I kind of feel like there's no reason to buy him out. Like you decided to kind of come on our roster, knowing what kind of role you might've had under James Borrego. And so if these three players, uh, if I had the option, obviously you're going to want to try to trade them. But of these three, I, I think Marvin, it could be that possibility. I just hope it doesn't, you know, I don't, th I don't view any of these players kind of having that hostile, like demanding of a buyout here. So yeah. Spencer, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I don't think either any of these three players are going to demand a buyout. I think that 
what probably makes buyout situations not easy, but they, they can be simple is let's say, for instance, Bismack Biombo's agents like, hey, look, I got two teams calling me. Uh, that the, they want to use him in the playoffs. They they have a bench role for this guy. Uh, he wants to play somewhere else. He actually wants to try to resurrect what he was able to do for Toronto before he got the big deal from Orlando a few years ago, just being the LeBron stopper at the rim, right? Um, <laughs> you know, so so maybe there's a team out there, and in that in that way, there's no reason if they can't trade him, there's no reason for Charlotte to hang on to him. They should buy him out. They're going to save money, so it, you know, it behooves Charlotte to go ahead and do that. Certainly, MJ. Um, Marvin, I, my gut is that he is not interested in, in moving somewhere else and, and ring chasing. Uh, that's just my gut. That's a total guess. Um, but there are certainly teams that could use him, and I think Charlotte will do everything in their power to go ahead and uh, try to trade him before the deadline. I don't see him as a player that if he doesn't get traded, comes to Charlotte and's like, please, please buy me out. I want to go somewhere else and try to get a ring. And MKG, I just don't – I don't know who, who needs him, who's going to use him. I mean, the guy hasn't played all season. How could you talk yourself into that? Yeah, I think the one thing with MKG is there's this, like it, – it is positional scarcity, right? He is, like, a, a big wing of, you know, that can offer some defense and versatility. In a very limited sample this season, the, the, the three-point attempt rate has gone up. It seems like he can – make you know 30 to 33 percent of his corner threes or whatever but I, i'm with both of you guys like I, it's hard to see what the actual demand would be i think of all if any of these guys were to be traded obviously marvin is is far and away the most likely guy it was interesting to hear the the podcast that zach lowe and brian windhorse put out earlier this week too basically they seem to it, one of those guys seemed to sort of intimate the thought that their their belief they thought marvin maybe not pushing for a buyout but it's something that he would that he would in fact be interested in, or or would or would maybe not again not demand, but um, would would sort of be be, be pulling for I, I guess maybe. And it, it's interesting as well. it had me thinking like it puts Charlotte at a little bit of a weird spot, which is like you're at this you're at this kind of crappy end of a value proposition of like it. There's no there maybe isn't a market for this guy as a trade piece. But if you bought him out, there would be a handful of playoff teams saying, you know, competing to sign him up. And, and I get like, that's just, I mean, th the game is the game. And like, that's the way this thing's been designed. And there's a lot of factors that go into this one, especially when you're thinking about trades in a, in a salary cap sport, like the NBA that, that has, that includes matching salaries. But, um, that's like a little, that's like a little tough too. You know, it's like you, oh, you actually yeah. have this, you have this thing that is, there is like some demand for him, but it's just like not on your terms at all, you know, as, as a <laughs> I yeah, it's a good point. I think Marvin's one of those fringe guys that, like Brian said, teams would line up for and compete for if he got bought out, which is exactly why Charlotte, and it's hard, but they need to try, if that's the case, then they need to try to play some hardball here. And they need to try to get Marvin's agent on the horn and get his agent encouraging these teams to part ways with a freaking second-round pick, okay? Yeah. Like, it, we're not just going to play push over the little guy on the playground all the time. Uh, sometimes these small markets, just like Memphis has done with Andre Aguadala, push back. And if that's the case with Marvin, then the Hornets shouldn't just give in to that and buy him out. They should... They should try to trade him, which they will try to do. And if they can't, then I'm not so sure they should buy him out if that's what he wants. I mean, we got to work together on this one because I'll tell you this, Charlotte's done a lot for Marvin Williams. Real quickly, I just want to mention two teams to kind of watch. Um, 
OKC, probably the the first one, they're like less than a million from getting under the tax. So they're going to get under the tax. Yep. And then and then Golden State. It's hard to work a deal with Golden State, but Charlotte could help OKC pretty simply. They could take Mike Muscala and throw back Caleb Martin and just get a second round pick. So just like some really boring, mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, yeah. OK, that's not that exciting trades. But that Charlotte could get involved in salary dump. I would watch those two teams. I, that's interesting, and I, I don't. I don't think that's something. I know. Again, as you said, it's not super sexy, but that's 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 like again. These that's another one of those like savvy trades, right? That we're sort of talking about, where you can you can find a way to add uh, an asset on the cheap. I, I understand why, and it's because there is another year left on his contract. Cody Zeller signed through the twenty twenty one season, with that the conclusion of next year. Have you guys been a little surprised that there hasn't been more like uh, trade chatter for Cody? Like there, there's all this stuff coming out of Houston with Clint Capella, you know, the last couple of days. And, and I know Cody's a little bit older than Clint. He's probably not thought of as well as Clint Capella in terms of overall, you know, how good of a player is he? And, and Capella is also like, there's a little more, I guess, if you were looking at it from the flip side, like he got him signed for a few years and, but it, you know, it's like, if Zeller were an expiring contract or if, if center was like a more coveted position, perhaps at the deadline, like you'd be seeing perhaps some buzz for him, but like, I don't, I'm just like a little surprised that there's absolutely like outside of like the, the like online Hornets community, mm-hmm. it feels like there's very little recognition of this guy. It's like, he's having a great season. This is as unlike, unfortunately for, um, you know, for the, for the frame, I mean, it's good that it's good for the Hornets to have Cody playing well, obviously, but you know, a couple of these past couple of seasons, like maybe they were a playoff team. If Cody Zeller could have stayed healthy and like he's as healthy and as productive as he's ever been in a long time, maybe his entire career. Um, and what he's done offensively in some of these games recently, even as Charlotte has struggled, especially without PJ in the lineup, like he's been really good at the rim. He's been good in the short role. He's been good in their DHO game. It's not just like the OE notches, you know, a couple screen assists per game. Like he does stuff with the basketball um, that that shows up uh, not only in a box score but on on the film. And I'm just like, uh, I get all the complications, but like it's another one of those things where like it, there's just nothing with him. Like you hear a little bit of chatter with Monk, a little bit with Marvin and zilch with cody unless i've missed unless i've missed something no you're right i feel like his name should be brought up a little bit more often in these trade rumors i mean yes you know versus capella they're both signed to you know they're, they're both not expiring so that they're both on for this year and, and for at least one more season after that i mean capella goes to i think 23 i believe i think what mm-hmm. you did mention though brian maybe they could be kind of a little hesitant because of the injury bug that cody zeller does have yeah. while this season he is healthy you just never know what you're going to get with him next season. And I think as a player, I think people underappreciate how good Cody Zeller is. Uh, he's, he's a ball mover. He sets screens. Uh, he does all the dirty work. That's just my guess, maybe the injury bug and just people kind of being hesitant about that. But I feel like his name yeah. should be brought up a little bit more, Spencer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's the salary next year. That's a lot of money for a center that you can probably – I mean, obviously – there's an argument uh, among the league right now. You just don't need to pay centers. Right? Yeah. And, I th- and I think the other thing is yeah. 
think about the teams that are looking for help at that position, like the Clippers, the Celtics. Why are the Clippers looking for help at that position? Well, they're not great on the glass, and they know they're probably going to have to match up with Jokic or, right. or, or you know, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. A lot of size in L.A., right? Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, teams in the East, Boston, they're looking for a center. Why? Because they know they're going to have to match up with potentially Joel Embiid. So does Coach – so it's really like – a matchup thing. Does Cody yeah. Zeller move the needle against those players? Probably not. But you're right, Brian. He's an efficient player, and you would think that maybe there's a smart team out there that's maybe hiding in like the middle of the playoff standings that would say we could use that guy. What about what about Dallas without Dwight Powell? I mean, I know they just got Kali Stein in, so maybe that offsets the need. But uh, Courtney Lee, you know, in a second round pick for uh, for Cody Zeller. I've. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if they could always flip Collie Stein. I mean, if, if they don't think he's a yeah, fit and, and would right. like to kick the tires on on Zeller, I think Atlanta. You know, like I, yeah. I they they need a center. They need help. They they seem seems to be pressure there to win. I think Washington. You know, if they're going to move off, you know, Mahinmi, which sounds like they're trying to do, and and uh, who's the rookie that's had uh, injury issues. Um, for Michigan, why am I blanking? Mo uh, Wagner. Mo Wagner, Wagner. Yeah. yeah. So he's still young. So I think it's it would be one of those teams in the middle that's like, look, we just want to make the playoffs, and this guy makes yeah. it better, right? Yeah. Like we're not worried about the matchups as much. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is a little perplexing at times. It, and to be clear, I'm not trying to speak a like. Cody Zeller's awesome. I I yeah, I'm happy to have him be a part of the the Hornets as as long as 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 both he and the team see fit. He's a he's a good player. He's having a great he's having a really nice season. This all again, I'm not trying to speak this into existence or manifest this, but I just thought it's like a little interesting because he's uh, you know again a lot of injury history, but he is healthy this season. He's playing good basketball. He's even uh, while he hasn't shot well on threes, um, he's hit he's he's taking you know about three seventeen percent three point attempt rate. Like there, there's just a, and he's, you know, you can trust him defensively against pick and roll. Like uh, there's just a lot of factors that, that at least in terms of on court, uh, I think work in his favor. But, um, but again, the, the center position overall, like you're still trying to figure out, I guess what the value of that is, especially maybe even as dependent team by team or almost certainly is dependent team by team. Um, and again, the, you know, he's owed you know, 14, $15 million next season. So that's, that's a bit of a roadblock too, I suppose. All right. One word answer or, you know, one sentence answer here. I know that we can debate all day about, you know, the likelihood of these proposed hypothetical trades, but if you were the GM of the Hornets and teams came to you asking for specific players on the roster, you know, which players on this roster do you deem untouchable? Like one, two, three, which ones would you deem untouchable? I have an answer for me, uh, but Spencer, just list the players that you would kind of say, hey, these are untouchable players. Um, none. Really? I okay. would listen to conversation on every single okay. player on this roster. And I, look, there's, there's plenty of guys on this roster I like. There's certainly some young players, but look, I think Charlotte can... I think they need to think as creatively as they possibly can right now. So I would listen to anything and everything. I think that's fair. I think it's worth, uh, I'll say one, I'll, I'll say PJ, yes. you, you found something that, that works, but it's not like you draft it like as good as PJ is, uh, you've not drafted Giannis. Right. Um, so it's like, I think if that's the case, you should be open to everything, but I'll, I'll say PJ is a guy that you just go ahead and you, you, you pencil them in as you're starting for, for the next decade. Uh, and you feel really good about that. And so I'll say, I'll say one. Yeah. 
Yeah, me too. I, I said PJ Washington. Obviously, our untouchables are not equivalent to the untouchables on the Bucks. Uh, you know, we're in a situation where we are rebuilding. I just don't think that. You know, if his name was brought up into trade possibilities, not that I think that it would. I just think that Hornets really wouldn't have any kind of conversation with that. But guys, uh, thanks again for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. Uh, if a trade goes down between now and Thursday, you can probably bet that we're going to come out with our our quick reaction podcast for Brian and for Spencer. I am Richie. We'll see you guys next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.